everyone welcome to risk roundup as we stand on the brink of a technological tsunami in cyberspace geospace and space the scale scope and complexity of the impact of technology transformation revolution and evolution will be unlike anything humankind has experienced before in any of its prior technological revolutions the speed of the current ideas innovations technology and breakthroughs has no historical precedent and is fundamentally disrupting almost every component of a nation in addition the breadth depth and impact of these changes herald the transformation of entire interconnected and interdependent systems of politics socialization education innovation production management markets governance security and the future of humanity if trace technology trends continue what would our future look like while there is no way to calculate just how this technology transformation revolution or evolution will unfold one thing is clear it changes the very fundamentals and foundation of nations and its security and the response to it must be integrated and comprehensive for the future of humanity to discuss future of humanity further i'm delighted to welcome dr todorov to risk roundup dr todorov is the founder of universal future foundation he is based in bulgaria welcome dr todorov we are honored to have you on risk roundup it's my honor jashvi wonderful dr todorov so what relationship do you see between this ongoing emerging technology trends geopolitics and the future of humanity well uh... this type of uh, dilemmas has been existing since the beginning of history yes. technology only makes the same problems more complex before we were having wars with a sword in the hand one move kills one person but now we have sophisticated hypersonic weapons one move and pressing the red button can destroy whole nations or even the whole planet so we have to get clear about our basic human nature features so uh, <clears throat> all our civilization is moving in uh, two vectors in two dimensions we have being given by nature by evolution the most sophisticated and complex tool which we can imagine now this is the neocortex of our brain that's where all the dramas uh, are playing human tragedies wars and so on and uh, as it was put by american scientist albert sandberg last century <clears throat> we are clever enough to take advantage of neocortex to achieve what we like but we don't know the consequences of what we are doing so one dimension is developing technologies we have been doing that all the time and the other dimension is <clears throat> how we organize life for us humans to live together because homo sapiens never in the history in the biological or evolutionary history had the chance of individual survival so yes. we have advanced very far in the technology vector but we are staying in the same place in the way we organize our societies we are still homo sapiens tribes fighting each other and this makes every invention <clears throat> which we create we turn into a weapon and this is the biggest danger for our society yes very true excellent point that you made because each of this emerging technology has dual use dual purpose because you know it could be used for the good of the humanity and it could also destroy humanity so you are you are absolutely right about it that technology comp, you know creates much more complexity 
for the survival, security, and future of humanity. And like you said, that yes, we do need to organize and social structures and uh, organization in a way that can help or, you know, that can empower and uh, make uh, everyone understand what other cultures, what other uh, nations, what other civilizations, and, you know, everyone is how, what impact they are going through, what pain, what suffering, uh, everybody, you know, is feeling and hopefully, if we are, there are, you know, some emerging uh, trends that, you know, if we are able to develop brain that uh, emotion, to, you know, human to human emotion transfer without, you know, you can just communicate everything through your brain, then perhaps, you know, we will be able to see the challenges that, you know, other nation citizens and the, you know, humans everywhere in the world, the pain, suffering that they are, you know, going through and the feelings, the complex challenges they are going through. So technology, there is a hope that technology will empower us to see those kind of challenges. And perhaps in the coming years, we'll be able to, because of that, come up with, you know, processes and institutions and organizations and social order in a way that can empower and that can see the reality of the human suffering and, you know, can uh, perhaps, you know, provide a way to empower and to secure the future of humanity. But as technology progresses at a rapid and unequal pace across the nations, how do you see these trends and the choices decision, these nations, decision makers make intersecting to create different paths to the future? Because each of these nations' decision makers they have their own ideas, they have their own philosophy, they have their own uh, guiding principles through which they take decisions. So how do you see all these creating different paths to the future? Okay, first um, let me um, say that uh, um, there is a base for comparison. I have uh, spent uh, eight years in Australia and I was very much interested in uh, Aborigines. So they have existed, at least there are artifacts uh, for some 60,000 years. For these 60,000 years, they never invented anything except the boomerang. They even don't have written language. All their legends, values, songs and so are transmitted from father to son and mother to daughter, and they never changed anything in their environment. So they can continue, this culture can continue to live uh, eternally in this mode of existence. They never created anything that can threaten their lives. But we, uh, Western civilization, or what we call advanced countries, <clears throat> only in the last 200 years, we have advanced technologies that bring us on the edge of self-destruction. And your introduction to the program was very precise. We are reaching the point where it is difficult to control. I have read somewhere that uh, at 9-11, uh, uh, 2001, uh, because of the system of defense of the United States, the silos of intercontinental missiles started opening, which for other countries is a sign for preparation for attack. At that time, potential adversary countries of the United States had uh, some 17 minutes to take decision and to clarify, is it a prepared attack on us or is it something else? 17 minutes is a very comfortable period of time to take decision. But now with the newest technologies, you don't have 17 minutes, you have microseconds. <clears throat> and because the final move is done by a human being, if the machines and the military systems tell you, you are attacked, you have no 17 minutes to control to call somebody on the other side, just press the red button, that's the end. So Yes, you bring up an excellent point about the autonomous weapon systems that are emerging. 
where you will have hardly you know this will be war between different ais you know ai that will be controlling all these weapons and uh, nations just would not have enough time they would not if they are not prepared if they don't have the automated weapon systems then you know they will just not have any uh, ability to defend themselves and the other point that you made in the beginning of your response was about the innovation system there are many nations like that who just don't who have not invented who haven't come up with any innovation in uh, last so many decades or perhaps centuries so that they are going to face huge challenges coming their way as this technology transformation progresses rapidly across nations and we come up with new way of doing things like molecular manufacturing and 3d you know printing uh, and synthetic biology how it changes the entire you know manufacturing st- sector and the way of you know uh, producing things so the nations that are don't have good education system good innovation system they are going to face very complex challenges and as the pace of technology revolution is on its way to fundamentally transform the way you know individuals and entities across nations its government industries organizations and academia live in cyberspace geospace and space nations how are they emerge how the emerging technologies will shift the balance of power for nations both individually and collectively is going to be a big you know question for the future of the humanity so how do you see the balance of power shifting because of this technology transformation happening uh you know like i've spent uh, many decades in my uh, former career in the international relations so uh, for some period of time i was not afraid by conflicts started by uh, state actors they have some rational thinking they uh, know what are the consequences for everybody on the planet uh, they know that in the modern war you can be the winner and the only inhabitant on a planet which is practically unlivable so uh, uh but even this presumption i don't think is any more valid because recently i heard an interview from a <clears throat> big country leader who said uh, it is connected if there starts some small conflict it can escalate and then uh, <clears throat> it can turn into a, a big war so in this big war if one country starts losing the war they will press the red button because what i heard in that interview was why would we need a world where my country is not there so nowadays even the state actors are not reliable in making decisions that would be protecting the future of life on the earth but with the development of technologies and especially artificial intelligence and also gene editing <clears throat> there are emerging new threats can you imagine uh, <clears throat> we are talking again about the neocortex where everything happens the arranged genius scientist who makes an ai program perfect to imitate attack on some of the big powers to perfectly imitate he maybe has only one computer at hand and with this computer if he can break the protection system and the cyber security and everything of a big country and imitate that this country is attacked then this country immediately retaliates and starts the war without knowing that even these things are possible <clears throat> and we know from thermodynamics that anything that is possible the probability of happening in the long period of time becomes close to one so this is another type of danger based on new technologies 
Yes, it is, it is a huge complex challenge because as you know, these artificial intelligence start automating all these weapons of uh, warfare, irrespective of whether it's, you know, geospace or cyberspace or space, these automated weapon systems that are emerging are going to create complex humanitarian crisis. So the government nations will have to come together and define the humanitarian law how you know they should what should be permissible what should not be permissible and what kind of uh, different guidelines they need to come up with because these are very very serious threats emerging and coming our way and not only that i mean the most we have to also understand what will be the most sought out of tech, sought after technology resources of tomorrow and how will they reshuffle geopolitical relations and threaten the future of humanity because the speed of adoption of this technology will translate into the power gains by respective nations uh, or any of its components. We are not just talking about the competition and warfare between nations. We are also talking about competition and warfare between different components of a nation. There are a lot of roles of governments, you know, will be taken over by the industries and the communities that are developing, the groups that are emerging, you know, there is a whole new way of, you know, things that will be done. So the traditional institutions, the traditional form of, you know, doing things, everything is fundamentally changing. So uh, which technology, I mean, from uh, my assessment, it seems that, you know, artificial intelligence is, at uh, you know, at the top of this uh, adaptation. But what do you see based on the uh, observation that, uh, across nations about which technologies these nations decision maker decision makers are trying to quickly adapt at a you know rapid pace um, well i like very much the initiatives of uh, future of life uh, and i signed both uh, appeals for nuclear weapons and for uh, autom autonomy uh, uh, weapon systems and I think that uh, we really need to concentrate more the attention of uh, politicians and state decision makers on these problems, because at the same time, new technologies provide uh, much more powerful chances for abundance. You know, there is also this uh, singularity university ideas and so on. We can live much better <clears throat> if we don't have a lot of violence. In uh, Australia, in Sydney, there is the Institute of Economics of Peace, and they calculate the cost of violence. So every year, we, the humans, spend around $15 trillion on the conflict. And this is the cost of violence, which, with the current population of the Earth, makes close to $2,000 per person. And we know that there are people who are living per day with two doors, almost half of the population. So if uh, the behavior of politicians is more accommodated to the real problems which we are having today with the new technologies and not on the inertia of history, then we can have a much better life because uh, we have reached the point of uh, no return. Gene editing could bring new uh, genetically modified humans who at certain point of time could think that they are superior to the rest of humans on the planet. We know what happened during the World War II when somebody thought they are superior to others. They started annihilating whole ethnicities. So can we prevent that if some new type of either artificial intelligence based uh, agencies or genetically modified humans start sharing this idea that uh, the current humans 7.5 billion on the earth are inferior to them and they need them or something? Can we prevent that? Somebody has to think about this. And these somebodies are the politicians and the state leaders. 
Yes, that's an excellent point you made because at the heart of this uh, gene editing is going to be the intelligence, you know, evolution of intelligence. And uh, as you give the, ex you know, example about that, you know, if we create a divide between the, you know, humans and human society of certain, you know, in humans with very high, you know, intelligence uh, evolution because of they were able to do the gene editing because they were able to uh, create, you know, or use technologies uh, in from neurohacking to biohacking to gene editing, you know, they were able to enhance their intelligence capabilities. They were able to have a much higher level of evolution. We now don't need to de de depend on natural evolution of humans because now we have all these tools and technology, CRISPR technology and gene editing tools. They give us the power to, you know, accelerate the evolution of humans. So we are in a very different, you know, time, living in a very different time. So the questions that you raise are excellent and they, we will have to come up with effective answers that certain people, you know, will be able to afford that. They will be able to increase their intelligence and there will be masses who will not be able to do that. So then, you know, how are we going to create a fair and balanced society? So the education system and the way the competition happens between individuals for job search to college admissions to everything, all that is going to be impacted. So that is going to be a very complex challenge coming our way and we'll have to come up with effective answers for the future of humanity. But there's also another point that the speed of this innovation will empower, you know, different forms of government. So we see, com you know, from com uh, authoritarian nations to, you know, democratic uh, nations here in, like, you know, United States and uh, other countries, we have the democratically elected, uh, elected you know, governments. Uh, some governments are not democratically elected, some are monarchies. So we have a very different form of government structure or the, you know, controlling structure across nations. So how, we, how do you see the innovation and the evolution and transformation, you know, being impacted because of the nature of the governments that we have or the author, how will the authoritarian nations do, will they do better than the democratic nations or how, what are your thoughts on that? You made a very good uh, point that the technologies brought us to a situation where we cannot continue to live in the same way. So first, uh, we have to destroy some uh, very primitive and uh, hard precipitation of ideas. For example, there is the th common thinking that all the humanity history is full of wars. There were wars and there will be wars. That's not true. Wars are not earthquake or tsunami or meteorites. Wars are anthropogenic. They are a result of decisions of people who have names and positions and so on. We have to think that we have to change our thinking of conflicts between humans. I theoretically, it is as easy as the decision until the day I was having coffee from tomorrow, I will start having tea. But it is a decision of the same order. It is a process taking a place in our brains and um, democratic countries, non-democratic, or uh, authoritarian, totalitarian, and so on. They all continue existing. Yes. Now, I think uh, you made an excellent point about the wars, that the, perhaps the wars will always remain. But we, the citizens of different, all the nations, we have to define and decide which war we want to fight, whether there should be war and for what there should be wars. Should there be wars for just getting more power or should there be wars to solve the complex challenges facing humanity? Because if not today in coming tomorrow, we will have to come together as a humanity, as entire, you know, uh, human uh, species to fight the wars that will happen in the uh, deeper space, you know, with uh, intergalactic uh, 
exploration that will be happening in the coming years, which has already started. We have already started, uh, you know, the space satellites and the nano satellites, and we are on way of asteroid mining, and then probably, you know, establishing colonies. And then, you know, there is going to be much more that will come our way in different forms of war, where humans will have to fight uh, wars with, you know, other uh, species that are out there. So we will have to come together as a humanity, as one human species, to decide, you know, what is important to us, whether we should come and solve the complex challenges facing humanity first, so that we can prepare ourselves for the wars that are coming our way, uh, which we have no idea how they are going to emerge. So let's put our thoughts and our innovation capability and our intelligence towards figuring out how to protect the human species and humanity so that, you know, we don't, uh, we should not waste our ideas in um, innovation, intelligence and uh, uh, investments on just fighting with each other for just some power, you know. So there are a lot of questions that the citizens of each country will have to uh, decide or come up with proper responses. And I think these communication technologies are, you know, probably going to help us because it is, it is making the world much smaller and everybody is able to get uh, real-time feedback. They are able to see real-time what is happening across nations. So perhaps, you know, it will help us overcome these cultural challenges and, you know, uh, the complexities that has played major role in the uh, wars that we have fought over the years. But if these transnational challenges continue to have a predominant role in the interstate relations, how will we use uh, the question that we citizens will have to come up with or, you know, understand and evaluate and respond to is that how will we use each of these emerging technology from communication technology to virtual reality to augmented reality to, you know, brain that and uh, gene editing and all of them to solve the conflicts that are coming, coming our way. And do you see the dialogue will become more effective between decision makers if we use these uh, communication and brain computer interface technologies that are, you know, uh, we are developing to improve communication so that, you know, we can understand each other much better and uh, we can apply all these, you know, technologies to create, to reshape the conflict negotiation across nations. Do you see that we'll be able to do, do that in the coming years? Yes, I think and I like very much your main point about humanity. Uh, the basic uh, logo of... Uh, my thinking is that the human spirit must confront challenges that are orders higher by tribes of Homo sapiens fighting each other. Uh, history is history. We could afford wars in the history until the time we invented the nuclear weapons. We cannot afford wars anymore, at least uh, large-scale wars. So we have to start from the point about the future of humanity, which in fact is the future of life, because humans cannot exist without the rest of the living biology organisms. So uh, I would support very much anything connected with education and enabling people to become more self-aware of their own interests. And they are very much uh, projected on the strategic interests of humanity because you're thinking about yourself, your parents, your kids, your grandkids, and so on. And this is the strategy of uh, human values in the future. So. Uh, if we uh, massively realize that if school and education uh, helps this process, that uh, with the current technologies, any war is uh, destroying values for everyone on the planet. Everything is so interconnected nowadays, and the power of weapons is so powerful. So. Uh, 
people will gradually start thinking that, uh, well, we are all different. Some likes tea, uh, some likes coffee, and so on. Uh, but we have to live together because uh, going back to the neocortex, this is the only source of ideas. Good or bad, this is the only machine to invent behaviors, good or bad. Because if you take, for example, the <clears throat> uh, bees, they have perfectly organized system of living. They don't kill each other, bees, they produce honey and so on. But bees don't have new complexes. They will never design for example, a spaceship to go in the, in the outer space. We wouldn't like this life. We should uh, accept technologies as extension of our capabilities. But uh, we have to put the accent on the <clears throat> positive side of what we are using our powerful tool for. We have to <clears throat> avoid the dark side and human society has already developed very strong uh, mechanisms, social, uh, legal and so on, to encourage behavior which is positive for the society and to control and punish behavior which is against the values of society. So yes, very true. This gives me some hope for the, for the future. But we have to realize that we cannot live in the same way with the same prejudices we have now. It is normal the time and it is the technologies that changed all that. Yes. Very true. Very true. You know, that's a, that's an excellent point. And the technology the information communication technologies gave us a hope that you know we'll be able to break all those cultural barriers and understand each other's culture but citing if if we see now citing security concerns and infringements on intellectual property some nations governments are beginning to restrict internet access and are banning you know all kinds of content effectively and they are trying to create these dozens of you know splinter nets and as you must have heard that china is trying to you know create their own uh, version and perhaps you know they would uh, the internet would be split into two so is that good for the future of humanity how do you see this playing out on geopolitics i think it's uh, very simple for me uh, we are talking practically politics for me the bible of politics is uh, the american declaration of independence 1776. In the first 12 lines, it contains everything about how people have, we people have to live together. You are a journalist, my friend is engineer, let's say I am a shoemaker. We are living together, providing each other with our products, and we appoint some person from our community to take care of our common life, to organize our common life. And we call these people politicians. They have to take in consideration our interests, our wishes, and so on, and to realize it. So if they don't do it, and it is explicitly written in the Declaration of Independence, we just change them and find other people who can do this job. But the politics itself evolved in many countries in a totally wrong direction. These, there are groups of people who think they are elites, they are buying in many countries luxury goods for their personal use with the money of the people. It's not the point of politics. We have to go back and study the Declaration of Independence, letter by letter, and try to cling, because for me, this is the fundament of political philosophy. Very true, very true. But how do you see this uh, 
the emerging trend of nationalism and uh, you know playing influencing the technology trends because so many countries i see that they're going inwards now you know rather the globalization is reversing in many different ways so how do you see that impacting the future of humanity well uh, everything is case by case but predominantly my personal view is the following if i have the politics created let's say within the european union and if i don't recognize my interests protected by these policies i'm looking for somebody else to represent my interests and this for me is the basic cause of nationalism if there is something wrong in the current system political system if uh, it is uh, composed of people who are thinking of protecting our interests and uh, not the community aggregated interests so uh, people try to find some other way and uh, i imagine they are finding this other way in what we call nowadays nationalist realities Yes, yes, very true. Now, I, I another thing that we also see is, I mean, in the beginning, we talked about that a lot of countries, they haven't innovated in uh, such a long time. And now, since many nations are still depending on yesterday's economic models because of the, they haven't innovated, they haven't, uh, uh, they don't have the industries of tomorrow. How do you see that playing a role in the coming tomorrow of not only those nations but for the entire humanity? Because even if you look at you know countries like Russia, they they haven't uh, modernized in the way that they should have. You know, so far you know countries uh, there are many other countries like that. So uh, how do you see that playing a role for the entire humanity? Because if we continue depending on the old economic models and uh, if we don't modernize if we continue to depend on yesterday's industries and don't focus on innovating and building you know today's and tomorrow's industries then it's going to put uh, create such a divide between nations uh, economic models and it's going to create such a divide bit uh, for the progress and development for uh, entire those nations and their citizens so how do you see that impacting the entire humanity I agree with you that uh, the growing population on our planet cannot uh, have uh, acceptable way of life without the new technologies. Um, it was very convenient some times ago, some centuries ago, their population were only a few hundreds of millions, so there was enough food in the garden for everyone and so on. But we are no more in this. circumstances so um, uh, the potential risk of somebody becoming very uh, living very uh, outside of technology technological advance is, is there and um, um, there must be some uh, encouragement measures both from own people and from outside to make uh of course we go again to the government and uh, political circles change policies connected with uh, implementation of uh, new technologies because we all like talking about uh, organic or food or all these things but uh, we have to be sure that uh, we have currently for the first time in history more than 7.5 billion people on earth we can't have for each of them a tomato grown under the sun in the garden of, with the climatic conditions which are proper for that that's it's not possible for this number of people we have to go in the technological um, design of abundance and uh, i think this is the solution for the future but it needs joint efforts including joint political efforts because um, just to have an example if key advanced technologies are still locked for 
military purpose only. This is a loss for everybody on the earth, for humanity. It stops advance. From the past, there are two examples very, very strong. One is internet, and the other is car navigation. So they started like military technologies. But if there was no internet, we would not be able to talk to each other today. So can you imagine how many new unbelievable technologies are locked now at this point of time in huge strong safes? We have no access to that. Nobody uses them happily because they are military technologies. And can you imagine the efficiency of all these achievements of human mind being released on the market for everybody to use? How much this might increase the living standard all over the planet? So, um, but this is again a political question. We have to solve the issue of conflict. Yes, very true, very true. No, those are those are really complex uh, questions that each one of us need to think about. That how are we going to solve those things? And if we look at the even you know energy supplies, you know energy, there is a transformation in the energy evolution now. The technology is making energy resources available to so many different players that it was not do, able to do that before so this i mean if we are looking at you know the smart energy you know smart grids and you know we are having many different uh, uh, sources of energy now so how do you see the reshaping of supply demand and the energy of geopolitics playing a role in the future of humanity well uh, i still believe that uh, for once, scientists and researchers who are, who are working on nuclear fusion will tell us the truth. Because since the middle of the last century, every 10 years, they say, oh, we are going to make the controlled nuclear fusion reaction uh, within 10 or 15 years. And they repeat this uh, untrue statement every 10 or 15 years, because uh, making energy from water, oxygen, hydrogen, and uh, which is perfectly, theoretically, perfectly clean energy, within a few months could change the whole picture in the world in terms of uh, energy resources without any type of pollution on our environment. So. Uh, this is one of the areas we have, we have to expect the results coming from technologies. But uh, um, as I said, they repeat the same promise for many, many times in the last decades, and we still don't have it. Technology is the one that can solve this issue of finding new sources of energy. And uh, now the most promising idea is, I think, nuclear fusion. Yes. Yes. Now, I mean, human progress means that there are significant opportunities for humanity in the 21st century. That is the hope that, you know, uh, all this uh, technology transformation and technology tsunami that's coming our way, that will give us significant opportunities for humanity, you know, in the coming years. And billions will be, you know, hopefully lifted out of poverty and technology will continue to make people's lives, you know, better and it will change people's lives for the better. However, there are also many disturbing trends, like, you know, we just talked about before, you know, gene editing and uh, uh, molecular manufacturing and autonomous weapon systems and many others that, you know, perhaps, you know, runs counter to this progress and advancement. So when we evaluate all this broadly, what worries you the most? Um, as I said in the beginning, Technology by itself is neutral. It started with the knife. You can cut bread and you can kill a person. The mode, the conditions, the circumstances, the political traditions and the political thinking uh, 
predetermines what will be the result of technology for the future of uh, human humankind. So, if we solve the human nature mode of living together, then we shouldn't worry about every new technology should be accepted as a positive factor for making life, lives better. It is not a problem of technologies themselves. It is problems of us humans. Uh, for what we use these new technologies. And this is not a technological issue. Yes, yes, very true. Now, the future of humanity comprises everything that will happen to any of us individually and collectively, irrespective of which nation we belong to. And understanding technology trends is about understanding in what ways humanity will change in the coming years. So, as we individually and collectively reimagine what's possible, how is the human ecosystem changing and how will the human ecosystem look like in the coming years and how do you want it to look like in the coming years? Uh, well, I think that uh, we have to accept as a primary imperative that we are all humans, we are all homo sapiens, we have common ancestors, we are practically all relatives. And uh, living, living together with our differences in our diversity is uh, the, mode, the natural mode of, uh, of living of uh, uh, homo sapiens on the earth. So any divisive theory uh, based on racial, religious, ethnic, or whatever other uh, um, characteristics uh, should not be taken as so important. Uh, um, even, uh, you know, there was some point of time in history where people were very much uh, engaged in eugenics. They thought that you must find uh, wife for your son, which is a very high class origin and uh, family and so on and vice versa or whatever. But uh, at the same time, can you imagine Leonardo da Vinci, one of the greatest genius in the world, is uh, practically an uh, uh, illegal child of a peasant woman and uh, some uh, Roman notary in the area. So there is no point in looking in characteristics which are based on divisive trends and notions. Even if people want to join groups, and this is a very good theory by American professor Edward O. Williams, we like to divide in groups, and once we join some group, we like to think our group is superior to the others, and uh, that has consequences because if we uh, <clears throat> think we are different, we are prepared to have conflicts with other groups, no matter on what uh, they are based. So for me, the future is accepting diversity of people in any aspect, in any dimension, because basically my thinking is anthropocentric. Our values of human beings are higher than anything. And if there is some danger for our values of human beings, some danger to the future of humanity, to the existing of human beings in the future, then we have to put this imperative on top and solve the other issues. And if we create the circumstances, again, people who are capable, people who are productive, efficient, hardworking, they will get their award anyway in, in such a system without, because of only belonging to some group, to some ethnicity, to some race or something, something like that. So uh, I'm very positive and I'm very optimistic about uh, the future of humanity composed of people prepared to accept 
Yes, very true. All of us are different, and there is the strength is in our diversity. So, do you see this technology trends that they are forcing the conversation, focused on our societal values? That you know, all these uh, amazing technology transformation that is happening, starting with you know communication technology, information communication technology, that it's forcing us this conversation on our societal values. That's not enough. I think we need more people like you and future of humanity to uh, attract the focus of attention because people are engaged in uh, uh, everyday life problems uh, and sometimes they miss the big trend, the big processes that are taking place now and uh, this was the initiating topic of uh, uh, our conversation that technologies are changing everything and we are not living in the world we were living yesterday and if we are not living in the world we have been living yesterday we have to change our behavior and our mode of living if we want to continue to be prosperous to be still existing and uh, if we want that the advance of humankind will continue. Absolutely. And uh, you are right about it. Technology is not enough because it's just a tool that we humans need to take an active role, you know, across nations to bring the humanity together, to collaborate, to cooperate, to solve the bigger problems facing humanity. But from your assessment, what do we, what do humans value most? Is it the intelligence? Is it the self-fulfillment, success, happiness, quality of life? Or, you know, what, what, what is there something else that, you know, they value? What do they value most? It is very different group by group. As I mentioned, Aborigines. I will mention uh, only one episode uh, when they were given full rights in the beginning of our century and uh, they were asked by Australian government, uh, if you have any request, no matter how much it costs, just tell us we shall provide the budget because you have been in a different uh, uh, status for such a long time. And uh, the elders were considering for some period of time and they went to the government. I think Australian government, they never had problem with their budget. Whatever they asked, tens or hundreds of millions, they would have been given. But do you know what they asked? Aboriginal elders said, we have heard that uh, some uh, uh, 100 or how many years ago, the remainings of some of our ancestors were taken into a British museum. And our only wish is to bring them back so that we can bury them here in their sacred lands. So this is a totally different system of values. They didn't ask money, they didn't ask some privileges or anything. But on the other side, <clears throat> I don't mind if uh, uh, my son says, well, I prefer to have the new TV set, the most modern, so I will work hard in the weekend and maybe I will buy it. So. Uh, people should be free to choose what is valuable for themselves. Uh, statistically, you can make polls and establish uh, for whom, and it depends very much country by country. <clears throat> I heard there was a human, uh, Cuban saying, uh, and this is the balance between spiritual life and material. And this saying says, uh, some people uh, are so poor that they have nothing but money. So uh, I'm just making a contrast thinking to the general trend. We all think money and material, physical things are very important, but there are people with different thinking. 
and to, we have to accept them. It is their right to be free. As it is said, again, I'm going back to my favorite document, uh, Declaration of Independence. Everybody has the right to pursue happiness. So Absolutely. there is nothing more natural than that. And no matter how people are different, we have to accept their differences in any dimension. Yes, very true. Pursuit of happiness, you know, every each and every individual across nation has the right to pursue, you know, the happiness. But what makes them happy? I think that is at the heart of, you know, the discussion that what would make citizens of each different country happy? What kind of, uh, what do they want to see? What they value? What they, you know, what fulfills them? What makes them happy? That we will need to figure out in the coming years so that we can effectively solve those complex challenges and make, give the platform and tools and technology and uh, necessary investments and ideas so that each and every individual across nations, you know, are path of, are on the path towards happiness and fulfillment. And, you know, they are happy. Now, discussing technology future is more than just a security strategy. I mean, security, we are talking not just about, you know, cybersecurity or geosecurity, security in every form that for each and every individual, for the entire humanity. So if we want to drastically reduce or mitigate or, you know, solve the complex security risk, in cyberspace, geospace, and space, thinking about technology future is absolutely and could be incredibly valuable for creating actionable ways humanity can move forward. They can, you know, make progress and development and feel happy and uh, feel uh, empowered. So having said that, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners about your initiative and what you would like the young generation, the there are so many bright young minds across nations who want to make a difference, not only for their communities, uh, but for the entire humanity. So what would you like to tell them? Well, uh, I think that uh, when we are talking about people living together, we are talking about products of human behavior, in fact. So I, uh, if I have to give an advice to my son, I would tell him, work hard and develop your capabilities in the area which is on your heart. And if you become very good in that area, you will be able to produce, design or create things that other people will like. This will bring you popularity, money, freedom, and so on. And this is the natural way, but these things are not, are not falling on us from the sky. You have to have the capabilities to do something very precious for the other people. You can write something similar to Ravel's Bolero, or you can paint something beautiful. You can make an invention that can save millions of lives, or make the life of many people better by constructing some agricultural system or something. So but, uh, you must have the capabilities to do it. You have to work hard and study and uh, be busy all the time working on that. It, uh, in general, uh, you cannot wait like Newton that an apple falls on your head and you discover gravity. This is very rare case. Um, so follow, listen to your heart. This is my basic advance. And uh, listen to your heart to find the direction and work very hard to, to be the best in what you are doing so that people value you, value the results of your uh, productivity, of uh, your behavior. And... Uh, uh, this will give you a status in the society and uh, many of the things which are connected with that. So this is my basic thinking. I think excellent. That, that is an excellent advice. So thank you so much, Dr. Todoro, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on the future of humanity and our global viewers. 
and listeners would benefit tremendously from what you had to say. So even if a single individual or entity can understand the threats emerging from for the future of humanity based on the understanding they received from the discussion we had today, this risk round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. It was my pleasure. Wonderful, Dr. Todoro. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they all walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secured for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup webcast or hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.